So let's jump right in. John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And that's why I love this series so much because this is so true. Even like the song we just said, even when we don't see it, God is working and the light will always shine and the dark, darkness can never extinguish it. Jesus came to be the light of the world. And he says this in John 12, 46, I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. It's so good. The dark can never overcome the light. Jesus came as the light. And and we've talked about this idea. We've talked about choosing the light. We've talked about finding our identity in the light and that the light exposes our identity. It shines on our identity. And, And then we talked about the difference of the light in the dark. And we... We're going to kind of extend on that thought today as we dig into it. And and today's message, if you're going to title, if you're taking notes, is light up my heart. We want God to light up our hearts. You see, it says this in in Matthew chapter 5. It says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Now, we say this a lot, and I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it every time we talk about this. Doing good things does not get you into heaven. Doing more good things than doing bad things does not equal salvation. And I think we're settled with that, right? I mean, I hope we're settled to that. I'm always going to say it to differentiate um, what, what the truth is, what we believe in in Christ, that it is only Christ, it is only believing in him that you can get salvation. It's not what you do. However, what you do really, really matters, right? What, what you do with your life really, really is important. It really is. In fact, this is what it says. It says, your good deeds will shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Uh, Philippians 2.15 says this, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. What we do matters. How we live actually matters. Uh, there's a, a lady who, who met with Pastor Kevin, and, and she had a vision. Uh, I'm going to read to you the vision that she had. She says, I found myself looking down on the earth. It was dark, and lights glimmered all over the planet. The Spirit of God said to me, what do you see? I could tell the Spirit was asking for something specific. So I said, I see land, water, and lights shining. The Spirit explained those lights are people. Those are my people. My light shines through them. Some are brighter than others, I said. Yes, the Spirit replied. It's not because my light is dimmer in them, but it's that there is something in them that blocks the light. The burdens of the past they haven't let go. Control they won't relinquish. Trust they will not give. So what do we do? How do we help them, I asked. Shine, the spirit replied. 
Show them a life surrendered to me and you will show them my light through you. Isn't that crazy? And I mean, we don't, we don't really need a vision to understand the truth of that, but it's so cool that, that God brought her to that place. And I want him to bring you to that place right now. A lot of people ask us as, as pastors all the time, what, what can I do to help the church? What, what can I do? And, and the answer is really simple. Shine bright. <laughs> Be a good example. Like if you, if you did only that, that would be amazing. That would be enough. If you want to do serve teams, if you want to do all of those things, that's awesome. That's great. But if you really want to know what you can do, be a good example. <laughs> the things that are dimming the light that's inside of you, take them before the Lord and have him expose that so that the light that's in you shines brighter for other people. It's, it's awesome that we get to be a part of it. It's so good to see what God is doing. Like I said, this is an extension of last week's message. Um, we, we talked about integrity. We talked about all of these things that, that, that come out of a life lived in the light. And, and we're going to go a little bit further. And so go to Psalm 112 with me. Uh, we're starting in verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who feel the, fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. I just want to stop right there. I want you to really get this in your heart. Just this phrase from scripture. Read this with me. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. And delight in obeying his commands. This is super, super important. I want you to latch on to that phrase as we go out throughout the rest of this message. It says, their children will be successful everywhere an entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. There's that word again. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. God comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. How many of you want to face your foes triumphantly? <laughs> Sometimes I face my foes untriumphantly, and it doesn't look pretty. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away. I don't know what that looks like, but it sounds bad. With their thorps, with their hopes, thwarted. Thorp is a real word. <laughs> Just not in this. It, it's so cool to see what God is saying here. He, he's actually taking these things, generosity, compassion, and righteousness, and he's identifying them as a way to live life, right? Actions that matter, good deeds that matter. And, and, and it really does matter. It matters if you're generous. And this is a heart check, right? If you look at this scripture and you're like, oh, I'm not generous. We have to ask ourselves the question, is God's word wrong? 
Or am I wrong? I'm not compassionate. Is God's word wrong? Or am I wrong? I'm not living righteously. Is God's word wrong? Or am I wrong? Now, as I stated before, this isn't about salvation anymore. If you said yes to Jesus, that, that, that's it. That's all. Like, that's all you have to do. But the reality of the situation is these external things, these fruits, these things that God says are supposed to be in our lives, generosity, compassion, integrity. If they're not there, you have to ask, where's the disconnect? Where, where did I go wrong? What's, what's happening? Because this is good, and you need this. You need generosity. You need compassion. You need integrity. But the reality of the situation is that these are indicators of the light shining from within you. They are not themselves the light. They're fruit-bearing, showing witness, evidence of the light in you, evidence of the relationship with Jesus. Because the reality is, is God is looking at your heart more than he's looking at your action. And so what you do matters more but what's in your heart, or what you do matters, but what, what's in your heart matters more. What you do matters, what's in your heart matters more. Here's a, here's a really easy thing, and it sounds like, duh, but it's so true. You're going to do what you want. Right? Come on. You're going to do what you want. I want to be skinny, but I want to eat donuts more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Amen. Stephen works at Quick Trip. He's like, I want to be skinny, but I want all these donuts. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to, I want to, you're just always going to do what you want. That's why Jesus says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's inside is going to come out. Before that, he said, a good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And so these outside indicators, though they can be faked for a time, and the Pharisees did a really, really good job at faking it. And they took this concept of the light, and they twisted it around. See, light is meant to shine from us, not on us. And if you're just doing these things like a religious act or you're just doing it so that you look more spiritual, it's going to be like a Pharisee. And they took light and shined it on themselves. And I was thinking about this a lot because I, I, uh, I learned how to do uh, videography. So I, I made videos for youth group and created content so that we could actually have youth group, which was awesome. Um, the first thing I learned was that in order to make you look better, you needed to have really, really good lights. Good lighting trumped even a good camera. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and I, I just thought about that, and I really feel like this is exactly how the Pharisees were. Jesus said, like, you cleaned the outside of the dish, but the inside's still nasty. And I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't eat from a bowl that wasn't clean on the inside. 
And so I actually had, I took a picture. Uh, can you pull that up? So this is, there's seven lights on me in this picture. This one here in the bottom. And that's just the light from the room in the top. You see how much better that is? This is what the Pharisees did. They took a huge spotlight and they gave with a spotlight on them. See how much I'm giving. And they prayed with a spotlight on them. See how good I am at praying. And they touted their scriptural knowledge even with the spotlight on them. But when we're talking about lighting up our heart, we're not talking about taking one of these lights and, and fixating it on us so that people can see what we do. Actually, Jesus says not to do that, right? He says in Matthew 6, 1, he says, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Right, and he, when he's talking about giving, he says, don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. And so we have this understanding that if what we do matters, we have to be careful because what's in our heart matters more. Dallas Willard said this, a thief is not only someone who steals, but someone who would steal in the right situation. Sounds an awful lot like what Jesus said to the Sermon on the Mount, right? He asked the question, have you heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery? Well, I'm telling you, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. He said, you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder. But if you hate your brother or sister, you've committed murder in your heart. He's looking at the motivation of our hearts and determining its worth, determining its truth, determining what matters most to that heart. He can discern that. He wants to transform you into a new person, and it starts with your heart. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, this is Galatians 5, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Romans says that, that a life lived under the influence of the spiritual does what the spirit desires, but a life lived according to the flesh does what the flesh desires. And so we have this, we have this weird separation in Christian faith where we got to do the things that, that we know God's telling us to do, the things that are right, the good deeds that will shine bright, but we need to do them in a way that honors God. And, and, and what does that even mean anyways? And it's as simple as make sure that your heart's right. How do you do that? You just spend time with the Lord. Like, I don't have a 19-point message on how to get your heart right. If you spend time with the Lord, it, your, your heart's gonna be right. 
You spend time in his presence. You, you spend time in worship alone in your room. You, you spend time asking God to show you things and reveal things to you and then, and then step out in faith and do the things that he's at. It, it's that simple. It's just spending time with God, bringing him wherever you go. It's hard to be ungenerous when God is pushing you. It's hard to be gossipy when God is, when God is softening you. It's hard to, to be the things that God hates when he's inside of you. And you pay attention to that and you seek that out. Then generosity, integrity, compassion, righteousness will come out of you. I remember when I first got saved, uh, most of you know this story. I remember sitting in my chair thinking, I need purpose. God, I will give up porn. I will give up swearing. I'll give up all these things that people tell me are bad things if you give me a purpose. I remember experiencing the voice of God for the first time, just, just hearing him. And I heard God say, I love you, welcome home. And I was done. It was it. It was over. My heart changed. I didn't give anything up. It just went away. I, I literally drove, when we got home after getting saved, I had a whole cupboard full of pornography, garbaged, trashed. Couldn't even stomach thinking about looking at it anymore. Because God changed my heart. I think as Christians, we need to quit trying so hard at trying so hard. You know what I mean? Now, obviously, get things, get accountability if you're struggling, if you, if you have addictions, if you have things that, that are killing you, killing your family. Get, get accountability. Get ways to, to, to discover the process of healing and forgiveness and all that thing. But, but honestly, I'm telling you the truth that if God changes your heart, it won't be a matter of, oh, I'm struggling doing this. It'll be a matter of this is dead to me because it's dead to God. And I think that the, the, the reason why this is such a dichotomy, the reason why this is so hard to understand for people is because we attach God's love to, to us being good. And that's not true at all. God's love is unconditional. Look at your neighbor and say, unconditional. Romans says that, that when we were in the depths of our sin, when we had done the worst we could possibly do, Christ died for us. And so it's not really about the sin when it comes to God's love. But the Bible says that you know you love God if you do what he says, right? Psalm 112 says, I delight in your ordinances. I delight in your law. Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I wouldn't sin against you. It's not really about the sin. It's, a, it's about the heart. Jesus died for the sin. He said he cast it as far as the east is from the west. And now he just cares about your heart. And if your whole Christian faith is about trying to do all of the right things, you're going to miss out on everything that God actually has to say to you. It's more than just living a moral good life. 
that is actually just a byproduct of time spent with Jesus. Like any relationship, when you spend time with somebody, you start to develop habits that are conducive to the character of the person you're spending time with. If you spend time getting to know God's heart, your heart will become the same. And morality will be a byproduct of your relationship with Jesus. And so what you do matters, but what's in your heart matters so much more. And the light that shines from within you will be evident to those around you. This is the difference And a lot of Christians, I'm not accusing anybody here. I'm just saying I've seen it happen a lot. I've been guilty of it. I need you to look at me, shine the light on me so that you can see all the things that I'm doing. I used to think that I was, that I had Christianity pegged and nailed and I was perfect. I got at this on lockdown when I was a baby believer. And and people, we feed into it. I'd barely been a Christian for for a few years and I was doing ministry. I should not have been doing ministry. Who hired me? (laughs) My goodness. But everyone's like, wow, that Joe, he's just growing so much in his faith. He's so mature. I just had everybody fooled. I tell people about how I would pray for 45 minutes. Wow. What's it like to pray for 45 minutes? He's so young. He prays for 45 minutes. Wow, you, you got rid of addiction that fast? I wish I could do that. You, you, and I'm just shining the light. See how good I am? See how awesome of a Christian I am? You can only fake that for so long. And I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for Kevin, for Andy, for for Ryan, for exposing in me the stuff that was really blocking God from working on my heart. See, it's such a hard thing when we think about like looking at looking at people and, and saying like, oh, well, they're, they're doing good things. Should they be doing that publicly? It's, it's, the difference is, all the way back to Matthew, it says that your good deeds will show to others and they will praise God because of it. That's how you know that your heart is right. When you just do what God's told you to do and people are like, oh my gosh, God is so good. Not, wow, I can't believe you gave that much money. You're awesome. Oh my gosh, God is so good. I'm not living a life of sin anymore. Oh my gosh, God is so good. I'm a completely different person now than I was uh, before I met Jesus, and it is only because of the goodness of God. It is only because of time spent with him. It is only because of him. I can look at my life and go, oh my gosh, God is so good. People can look at my life and say, wow, God is good. You are different. He's changed you. It says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful desires, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbits of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, 
wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it's true that, that if you're just living in sin, you, you're, you probably don't love Jesus. You're probably not, you're probably not going to inherit the eternal kingdom of God. Right? That, that's a true statement. But actually what I think this is talking about in the context of, of our faith is that if you're living like this, you're not experiencing what God's doing in you now. This is like all the way back to that vision, right, that this lady had. This is, there's something here that is blocking the light from within you, the kingdom of God trying to work in you and to expand to the rest of the world, right? Because that's what we're here for anyways, is to advance the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? <laughs> and so if you're doing these things, you're missing out on what God's actually doing now, the kingdom that is coming now on earth as it is in heaven. It is true for, for eternity, but, but to be clear, some of the things on this list are things that I struggle with all the time. Now, not drunkenness and, and orgies and stuff. I don't struggle with any of that. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> Stephen's like, I'll pray for you, man. Selfish ambition, dissension, envy, jealousy, Outbursts of anger. It is not an accident that those things are clumped in with all of the crazy things. Like, it, it, it's because we have to understand that it's, though it's easy to get rid of the big stuff, these little things in our heart block the kingdom of God from shining through us. Do you understand what I'm saying? These little things in our heart, outbursts of anger stops the kingdom of God from shining through you. And so the only way to get that out is time spent with Jesus. And it's hard to preach about this kind of stuff for me because it's not about the junk. And we, I don't want to focus on the stuff, the junk, the things that aren't God. I, I don't want to spend my time there. I don't want to waste that space. But we have to talk about it because it's real. These are things that people face, and these are things that, that people are wrestling with. These are things that I've wrestled with pretty much my whole faith. Well, God is doing something in you, whether you see it or not. The invitation from the Holy Spirit is this. Would you spend time with me so that I can transform your heart? It's really difficult to live in opposition to Christ when you're in his presence. Romans 12 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Ezekiel eleven eighteen 18 through 20 says, when the people return to their homeland, they will remove every trace of their vile images and detestable idols. I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. So they will obey my decrees and regulations 
then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. He's not looking for a group of people who will fake their way through, through doing the right things, who will go through the motions, who will try to, to shine a spotlight on them by doing good things for God, by, by prophesying, by doing miracles, by, by giving. He's asking that all of those things happen out of an authentic place of relationship with God. Coming to Jesus and nailing the desires of your flesh to the cross, spending time with him in his word, in prayer, in worship. And leaving those places without leaving his presence. God wants to do a new thing in you right now. He wants your heart to be more like his. He wants your mind to be more like his. The, the fancy theological for, word for this is sanctification. And, and I promise you, if you haven't been living this way, it's, 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 it's okay. Because it's a process. I'm still processing through my junk. I like like Paul in Philippians. I, I haven't got there, but I'm striving for what God has for me. Looking ahead for the prize which Christ Jesus has called me heavenward. But that striving is spent in his presence. It's searching for him. It, it's not trying to do the right things. It's not... It's not trying to, within my own will and strength, do the things that I think God is asking me to do, but actually digging into his spirit, his presence, and out of the overflow of relationship with him, my life will bear the fruit that he wants it to bear. Would you guys stand with me, pray? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. I pray that today we would acknowledge our responsibility to be with you. That we would work out our salvation with fear and trepidation, God. That means that we would actually think about it, that we would process it, that we would take all of our stuff before you, nailing our desires to the cross. God, would you remove our stony heart that is hardened and calloused and replace it with a fleshy heart that is soft and tender, tender to your word and able to discern your will. Father, I pray that we would quit trying to shine light on ourselves and begin to let your light shine through us. In Jesus' name, amen.